all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. Hello out there on the internet. I am Matthew Galt, and this is Cyber the Hacks. They are increasing, but the hackers, they are not necessarily getting more sophisticated. What do Twitter, Twilio, and Uber all have in common? Well, they were all hacked by, in part, a conversation. In all three cases, the hack was helped along by social engineering. Someone contacted an employee of the company and tricked them into giving up the keys. It doesn't matter how fancy your 2FA system is if an employee is just going to give up their SMS codes to some random on the phone. But worry not, there are ways to protect yourself and your company against such attacks. And with me today to work through it all is Rachel Toback. Toback is a hacker and the CEO of Social Proof Security, a company that aims to get your organization lightly paranoid. She's also She has also coincidentally just published an amazing video that dramatizes a lot of what we're going to be talking about today, which you can find on Twitter at Rachel, T-O-B-A-C. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on to Cyber once again and saving us from ourselves. Thank you for having me on. All right, so let's define some terms up top here for people that may not know kind of what's going on. Social engineering is a broad term. What does it mean? Yeah. Social engineering is pretty much when you're convincing someone to do something that they probably shouldn't do. We also use social engineering in casual ways that aren't mean-spirited. Like you have to social engineer your children into cleaning up their clothes on the floor or eating their vegetables. Um, Basically, anytime you're persuading somebody with the human element of persuasion, right? You sometimes use reciprocity. Sometimes you might find somebody using a bribe, right? Anytime you are using that level of persuasion to convince someone to do something, you are doing social engineering. All right. Now, the, when it comes to hacking, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know way more about this space than I do. I, I feel like it's not an aspect of protection that is discussed very much outside of the like the kind of like what we're doing now. Do you find that that's true? I think it's changing. I mean, from what I've seen in the news recently, I mean, we have the Uber hack, Twitter hack, Twilio, Cloudflare. They were able to stop it. I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, I'm just seeing people talk about the human element of security more and more and more. And I think it's becoming a household understanding at this point. Whereas maybe a few years ago, when I would talk about the types of hacks that I focus on, people would be like, I've never heard of that before. Tell me more. Now they're like, ah, yes, I saw that in the news, unfortunately. Give us an example. Like, Walk me through the Twitter hack. What happened there? Yeah. Yeah. So the Twitter hack of 2020, the attackers pretended to be IT support. They called up customer support spoofed the number. So they made caller ID look like it was calling from the known IT support number, which is easy to do. And then the customer support agent picked up the phone, said, hey, you know, how can I help you? IT support. They said, hey, I know you're working from home, you know, under COVID conditions. Remember, this is back in 2020. We know it's hard to log into your VPN when you're working from home. Sidebar, they probably found that through OSINT, open source intelligence, you know, people complaining on Reddit, what have you. And we need to make sure that your VPN is ready to go. It's updated and works from home for you under COVID conditions. So go ahead and go to this website, update your password, and we should be able to get it to work for you. The attacker then read out the malicious URL. The victim goes to it. They input their credentials. The attacker steals it in real time, puts it into the actual admin panel site, the real site, triggers the real multi-factor authentication push or code which is then siphoned or convinced to be pushed. 
and then is used within the real site by the attacker. All in real time, happening within, you know, five to 15 seconds, because that's usually when those codes expire, right? Um, so these types of attacks that we're seeing are continuing to see very similar attack methods with small variation. Again, I'm sure we'll get to that today, but that's how the Twitter hack of 2020 happened. And that kickstarted a lot of people understanding that many of these attacks are starting from the human element of security. And a lot of these attackers are teenagers. That's another thing that blows me away about this. And it's funny because it goes back to, I'm sure you're familiar with Hackers, the movie, right? Like what's the... One of the first scenes is him doing a bit of social engineering to get into a system, right? A lot of this stuff, doesn't matter how good your technical know-how is, or it does matter how good your technical know-how is, but if you're able to talk someone into something, you can get pretty far, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if you can convince someone to let you remote onto their machine, I mean, now I'm functionally you and I can do anything that you can do. So yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, pretty intense stuff that can happen with the human element of security. What is the, in your career, what is the weirdest or wildest bit of social engineering that you've seen? Something that I've done, a hack I've done or a hack we've seen in the news? Oh, I would love to know both now that you bring it up. <laughs> okay, we'll start with, uh, we'll start with the news. Uh, let's see, the most wild bit of social engineering. Well, something that happened, I think it was last year that was pretty wild, is we're starting to see people change their voice and modulate it dynamically on a live phone call and convince somebody to do something through a customer support channel. So I've been talking about vishing, phone attacking for years. And people always ask me, can you change your voice live over the phone? And I say, yes, I can change the pitch. And that's something that I do in my hacking, but we don't see it super frequently in the wild. So it's something that I always was curious about. Well, we had the story of a bank that was tricked into moving money to a different account uh, just through a customer support channel where a person called up customer support, pretended to be, say, an executive, right? mimicked their voice, was able to thwart whatever verification methods they had in place there. Obviously, they weren't very strong, unfortunately, um, and use that voice changing and spoofing capability to do that attack uh, over the phone. And I mean, I get asked all the time, it, are we going to see deep fake audio? And like the answer is probably yes. Uh, but that's just that's more of a theoretical thing right now. And this is kind of the first time that we saw it actually happen in the wild. Do we have any idea in that specific instance, was it something that they were doing to themselves to their voice or they have a program that was that was running something? Do we know? We don't know the details, okay. but I can make assumptions based on what I know is cap- what I'm capable of doing. It's probably a program that's oh. dynamically changing their voice for them. Gotcha. Now, how the other hack that's been in the news, uh, one we don't know a whole lot about, right, is Rockstar. Um, I'm fascinated to know to learn what we're going to to figure out how that 17 year old alleged allegedly uh, got in there. But we, we know more about the Uber hack, right? And this was also another bit of social engineering. Um, how was it different than what happened at Twitter? Sure. So the Uber hack was quite similar to what happened with Twitter, except that the attack method happened more over text, SMS, WhatsApp than it did over the phone. So similar social engineering, similar bypassing of MFA. Um, and what the attacker did is they were able to steal the credential of this contractor from Uber. And there are some 
differences in the story that the attacker tells about how they got this. I believe they told the New York Times that they social engineered the credential out of the contractor. And then they told other people in Telegram messages that they found or purchased the credential uh, somewhere online. So we'll just say the credential was stolen and we'll go from there. Then they use that credential to log in as the contractor and send spam after spam after spam notification to get that person to acknowledge their MFA and click accept. This is really me logging in. So the person did not accept it for a while until the attacker reached out over WhatsApp and said, hey, this is IT support. I'm trying to log into your account so I can help you. Please accept it. If you don't accept it, I'm just going to keep doing this for another hour. And unfortunately, that was enough. So they were able to get past the multi-factor authentication. They got that push accepted. And then they got access to a whole host of credentials, moved laterally, exfiltrated data. The rest is history. They showed those screenshots online. And I believe it also happened, uh, it happened late at night on like a weekend, right? If I recall correctly. So it was like a time you're... You're, you're, I'm pretty sure that that's what happened. So it was, it was like, like Friday night or something yeah, like that. Yeah. They, they picked a specific time where like, if you're getting a bunch of messages from work, you really don't want to deal with it. Uh, yeah. you know, so like there's, there are all of these aspects to this, you know, like picking, picking your perfect time, picking your perfect target and also picking uh, a company that maybe has weak cybersecurity infrastructure. Can you tell me about what happened when somebody tried this at Cloudflare? Yes. Um, first and foremost, I will say from what I'm hearing of this attack, there is only one major difference between what happened with Uber and what happened with Cloudflare. I think a better comparison would be the Twilio versus Cloudflare attack because they are literally the exact same thing with very little nuance between them. So I'll make that comparison and then I'll explain. Twilio and Cloudflare at the same time they were hit with an attack where the attacker text messaged their employees, multiple of them at the same time. And they said something to the effect of, hey, you need to re-log into your Okta for whatever reason. This is support. Here's the place to log in. And it's something like a customized domain, like Okta login Cloudflare or Okta Twilio support or whatever, right? The attacker or the victim rather then clicks that malicious URL in their text message, is taken to that site, puts their credentials in, is taken to the next page, puts their MFA code in, and the attacker, of course, steals that in real time via Telegram and logs in. Now, the only difference between what happened to Twilio and what happened to Cloudflare is the attacker still got three usernames and passwords from Cloudflare. They admitted this in their blog, but they could not move any further because Cloudflare uses FIDO security keys. So there was no code to steal. There was no spam to be accepted. They just simply didn't have the key and couldn't log in as that user. And they were stopped. Now, what's interesting is if they had continued forward, there was a malicious download that would be initiated of a remote access software where they could have pretty much bypassed anything. Cloudflare didn't get to that stage. I don't think we have a lot of details on what happened with Twilio. Can you then tell me how Twitter responded after dealing with their hack? Did they move into like a Cloudflare model? Yes. So Twitter did the most perfect thing. I will always tout 
Twitter's response to their hack as one of the best responses I've ever seen. First, they were so transparent about what happened. They detailed everything as they went through the investigation so that we could learn in real time because we know these attackers hit more companies than just Twitter, right? So we got to learn. Then they moved to deploy FIDO security keys for their organization. They did this over a three-month span and published an entire how-to blog post about how they did this. Uh, they worked hand-in-hand with Yubico to make it happen. So they immediately jumped on it, made a huge change to their infrastructure to prevent a lot of these attack methods that we're seeing. All right, Cyber listeners, we're going to pause there for a break. We'll be right back after these messages. 
uh, a brother that lives in the woods. He maybe logs on once a month. He's just not that type of guy, right? He's not really using that many tools. Um, he keeps his money under the mattress. <laughs> I'd say vital security key might be overkill for that, for that brother. So, um, it really just depends on the person and who, who, who would really need it. And it should be deployed for people who have admin access are in the public eye are being harassed or targeted or are things like, you know, activists, journalists. Can you, all right. So that's one way to protect ourselves, but I think another way we need to protect ourselves is something that you mentioned a little bit in the video that I kind of want to drill down on. There's this stat I thought was pretty stunning. Uh, said 85% of security breaches are security mistakes. Um, can you tell me exactly what that means and how we can stop making security mistakes? Sure. That's from Tessian's Psychology of Human Error Report, 2022. Um, really good research. They found that the majority of cybersecurity incidents result from just somebody making a mistake, sharing information to the wrong email address, sending sensitive details to the wrong person. Like that's just a human error. But it is, unfortunately, a breach, um, giving their credentials to the wrong people, accidentally sharing them to the wrong person, giving them over to a criminal. Those are just mistakes. And we're human beings. We're not robots. So we do make mistakes. That's why we need the technical tools to back us up. If you are in one of these sensitive, sensitive positions at one of these companies, um, maybe your company hasn't rolled out FIDO keys yet. What are the red flags if you get contacted by IT, if you're getting an email or if someone's sending you a text at, at nine o'clock on a Sunday, mm -hmm. what are the things that you need to be looking for that make you say, stop, wait, something's not right here? Yeah. If somebody reaches out to you and they say they're an executive at your company, they are IT support help desk, they're here to help, and they want you to urgently, that's the key, urgently, you must do it now download something, send them something, or click on something, which is ultimately likely going to steal your credentials once you log in onto that thing that you just clicked on. It's important to take a step back, say, okay, they're asking for this urgently. Let me make sure I double check with another method of communication. My executive says that they need gift cards for a client right now, and I need to go to Target. Let me go ahead and Slack them, email them, signal message them, and just say, quick question about that request, just making sure this is legit because this is sometimes a scam. And they're going to say, I did not message you. That is a scam. Or, hey, IT support help desk, just got this message from you. I know it's related to Okta. We've seen this in breaches recently. Do you actually need me to relog in? Is this like a real thing? And they'll say, whoop, all right, thank you for reporting. Nope, we are under attack. And they'll let the rest of your organization know so that you don't all fall for it. That's the power of reporting. You can shut it down because it's going to hit more than just you. You never be afraid to bother the security professionals, right? Like at yeah. any time, that's what they're there for. Saying, exactly. You know. They would way rather you say, hey, this looks like a scam. And they say, actually, that is legitimate. Um, we should probably update the way that we communicate so it doesn't look so scammy. Then, uh, then not tell them. Also, has someone ever been social engineered into going down to Target and buying gift cards? Every single day. This is really? one of the most common scams. Yes. Uh, somebody will say, hey, I'm the VP of this organization. They look on LinkedIn to see where you work and then, you know, ha hack accordingly. I need five Amazon gift cards. Scratch off the back. Read me the numbers. I need them for a client in the next few hours. Can you do this task for me? I need it urgently. 
And people get hit with this every single day and people fall for it every single day. And they're, they're out hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, um, because it's not real. And they really gave over that money. And what is their company going to do? Repay them for a scam they fell for? It's just so horrible. And it happens to new hires very frequently. Also, when you have people that are in some of these like hacking communities online that are kind of going through LinkedIn and looking for new hires and figuring out where the low-hanging fruit is? Yeah, they definitely are doing that. Um, they're seeing who is posting uh, recently about starting a new job. There's announcements about that on LinkedIn or other social media, and then they're able to do their attack from there. What are some of the other common hacks that involve social engineering? We've heard about these target gift cards. We know about these like you know, Uber, Twitter, these bigger ones. What what else is there? Yeah, we're also seeing people receive emails, of course. So we're talking about some of the spicier, newer things right now. SMS, new hire hits, uh, people getting phone calls. But of course, you've got your average, everyday, run-of-the-mill email phishing where people are going to be impersonating a vendor and just sending you an invoice and hoping you pay it to the wrong place so they can steal money. You have so many common attacks like that that happen every day. So I don't want you to think that just because we're talking about SMS or phone calls right now that email isn't common because it's so common. Yeah, I think I get I get so many so many e- obviously phishing emails. Uh, my inboxes are pretty good at, at, at sorting them out. Every now and then something gets through. Um, just just to give people like a, a refresher course, like you get a weird email. What are the red flags there? What should you be looking for? Yeah urgency around money, around sensitive data, or clicking something and giving credentials. That should be a red flag. I would immediately look into that with your team. And if this is something that happens to you personally, I recommend that you go directly to the known site outside of email. So don't click that link. Yeah. A big tell for me is often uh, looking at the email that it comes from. Um, and looking at the URLs that it's asking you to go to without clicking on the URLs. Uh, oftentimes, one, something will be misspelled um, or the email that it's coming from will be just a string of alphanumerics, right? There's there's pretty big red flags in a lot of this stuff because they, they kind of want people that aren't paying attention, right? Sometimes. It depends on how good the attacker is. If you got the lazy attacker, it's going to be a string of alphanumerics. And if you've got a non-lazy attacker, they're going to make sure the domain looks legit. Why are so many of these recent hacks teenagers? <laughs> well, unfortunately, social engineering is now very commoditized in the hacker forums. You can kind of just purchase a kit. And uh, it's always been the case you could purchase a kit for hacking, but these kits include scripts and how you talk about the attacks and exactly what to do and um, where you could even purchase credentials to do some of these attacks. So it's just packaged and so well documented now for this specific type of attack, this Twitter, Uber, Twilio, Cloudflare style attack that we're seeing, um, that that commoditization makes it so that anybody with 80 to 100 US dollars can attempt to do one of these types of attacks. If not way less. Sometimes you'll just get a credential for free because an attacker likes you or something. So it's easy to do and it looks kind of fun, basically. Easy to do, looks fun, would love to get some kudos or cred. Uh, I'm young, my frontal lobe hasn't fully formed, and I'm just looking to brag about something on social media. You know, that's how 
you got to remember what it's like being a teenager, right, Matthew? I mean, like, we just want to feel cool. We just want to feel like we're running the show. And these situations make that a possibility. It's sad, but um, I, I wish some of these young folks who are doing these attacks realize that if they just wait a couple years, uh, they could actually make so much money in InfoSec legit. So hopefully, hopefully people are realizing that there's a lot of money to be made in a real legit by the book way, and maybe just hold off on uh, the next hack. When you are, uh, when you're 16, the feeling of getting one over on a, a 30 year old IT professional is real sweet. feels real good. Right. Yeah. You just want to feel like you can make things happen in the world. I understand where they're coming from. It's not great. We don't want that to happen, but I hope this message can come to them and they can hear that and say, yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll wait a few years and I'll try some skills in a more legit way. Go to DEF CON. We'll see you there. We'll tinker together. Uh, you just don't want to be in jail. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> and those fines are going to be expensive. Yeah. And I think that... A lot of the law is already catching up, but I think it's going to get more stringent in the near future, I imagine, especially as more of this stuff rolls out, right? Fortunately, yeah. I know the the law can be really tough on some of these young folks. So yeah, it's important to try and do InfoSec legit. I promise you'll make millions. You don't need to do this now as a 16-year-old. There are other ways you can make money. Tell me about a time that you did social engineering. What's your favorite hack that you've done? Hmm. Favorite hack that I've done? Probably be the time that I hacked a bank. Um, I've hacked a few different banks, but the bank that I'm thinking of right now, they verified identity using IDs. So like ID cards. And we were able to hack into two accounts in one day by fabricating IDs masquerading as those users and getting full admin access to their account in for each case less than an hour. So pretty wild. We were asked to do it, of course. This is ethical hacking we're talking about. And these accounts, unbeknownst to the to the support folks who are trying to support us with our fraudulent requests, um, they're not real accounts. So the money that we're stealing is not somebody else's. Uh, it's the bank's. But um, pretty wild to be able to do that. And the fabrication of some of those documents is unfortunately quite easy to get past some of those systems. Do you think that COVID and work from home, a lot of us are still working from home, has made all of this easier to do? Yes. Because we're all remote, we used to live in a world where we could walk over to our IT person and say, hey, Allison, did you really give me a call? Did you really just text me? Like, what's going on? Do you need me for something? And Allison would say, I didn't talk to you. What are you talking about? Now we'd have to call Allison up, text, email, whatever. Hey, did you actually message me? And then we have to wait for them to respond. And then it just takes forever now. Right. And so a lot of people have just gotten used to trusting the messages that come their way. They might not realize how easy they can be fabricated or manipulated and how easy spoofing is. Um, so we really just need people to use two methods of communication for requests like that. Verify it's legit before taking an action. Right. You're having a very busy month. Can you tell me what's going on this month? And can you, there, you have all these amazing videos on your Twitter feed right now. Some of them are musicals. <laughs> what, what is going on over there? Yeah, we just launched a new um, video training library. 
where half the content is music videos and the other half of the content is spoken with hacking demonstrations. So you're more typical, something you're more you know, traditional. Um, and it's been wild. We've done over 200 demos. We've, we're already set up at companies all over the world. And, uh, it's just blown my mind to be able to launch this August 2nd and, you know, two months in to have all of these clients already and all these demos. It's, it really is, um, a dream come true, honestly, because who knew I could make music with some of the coolest artists in the world and people like it and it works. It was really struck by because uh, I had asked you to do this episode before I saw the video that had gone up on Twitter, um, and it really struck me as like this is per- the perfect encapsulation in two and a half minutes. I think it is of exactly what we've been talking about today. It shows you exactly what the what this kind of attack looks like uh, from both sides, and then you know, gives you what tells you what you need to do to avoid it. Where can people find all of this stuff? Yeah. The video you're referring to is the video we just made with Yubico. That video can be found on Yubico's YouTube page, or you can find it on my Twitter feed or Yubico's Twitter feed. It's pinned at the top of their feed right now. And in terms of the music videos you're referring to, that's pinned on my feed right now on Twitter. So you can learn more there. Rachel Toback, thank you so much for coming on to Cyber and walking us through all of this. Thanks for having me. That's all for this week, Cyber listeners. We are available wherever fine pods are casted. And we are also streaming live at least once a week on twitch.tv forward slash motherboard TV and youtube.com forward slash motherboard. Follow us in either one of those places and you will get pinged when we go live. It's a good, it's a good time. The last one was a little chaotic. It was a little chaotic, but it was fun. Uh, that's all for this week, Cyber listeners. We will be back again next week with two stories all about the internet. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.